In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today we come up against the parable of the wicked tenants. These tenants are tasked with tending the master's vineyard, and when the master sends a slave to collect his produce, the tenants, in their greed, beat one slave, stone another, and kill the last one. The master decides to send his son because surely they'll respect his son, but upon the son's arrival in the vineyard, he's promptly killed. This is clearly an allegory, right? The master is God, the vineyard is Israel, the slaves are the prophets and the martyrs, and Jesus is the son. Who are the wicked tenants? It has been suggested that they are the religious leaders or members of the established religious order. Perhaps they're members of secular society, maybe members of the church, maybe they're politicians. Who knows? The tenants are a little trickier to identify because, let's face it, who wants to be the wicked tenants? But regardless of who is in the tenant position, we can take away two truths from today's gospel. First, we can be aware that people, including religious leaders, will attempt to impede the reign of Christ. And two, the tenants of the vineyard did not kill an idea or a moral code or a doctrine. They killed a person. Therefore, the heart of faith is relationship. And if we are looking for people who are trying to impede the reign of Christ, then we are looking for people who are trying to prevent connections between people. Human history is full of person-to-person -person devastation. We somehow have this incredible ability to separate each other into groups. And when we identify someone as other, we as human beings give ourselves permission to hurt them, or at the very least, not acknowledge them. You all know the stories. Hitler ushered in the Holocaust, killing millions of innocent people. In the United States, we practiced slavery for 246 years. The group calling themselves ISIS seems to be merciless in their pursuit of an Islamic state. And there are girls in Africa being kidnapped right now just because people oppose the education of women. And it happens on smaller levels too. Levels that affect our daily lives. Some of you may know my little sister. She was an intern last year. Her name is Paige. If you don't, I have a little sister. Her name is Paige. She happens to be gay, and she was having a drink with a friend in Clemson, South Carolina, minding her own business when three women came up to her, beat her up, tore the cross necklace from her neck, and told her, you don't deserve to wear this. When she looked at the bartender for help, he threw her out. You don't belong here, was their message to Paige. You don't deserve to live, was the message sent to the Jews in Germany during World War II. You don't count, 
was the message sent to slaves in America for over 200 years. You cannot reign here. The harvest is ours for the taking, was the message sent to Jesus Christ every single time. And in all of these situations, God was victorious. The Nazis were defeated. Slavery was abolished, and my little sister still comes to church. She's at Canuga right now. And do you know why? Because it says in our scriptures today that the kingdom of God will be taken from those who reject the stone. The stone is Jesus Christ. The stone is love, unconditional love. And God does not mince his words this morning. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. That's right, friends. We do not serve a soft God. We do not serve an unjust God. We serve a God who says, it is not acceptable that you stand in the way of my reign here on earth. It will not be good for you if you come between me and my beloved. The harsh words for today's scripture that first frightened me now feel like salve on a wound. This is not so much a warning as it is a victory cry from our God. Though you might be suffering, the suffering will not win. God will win in the end every single time. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to trivialize suffering, and I'm not one of those people that believes everything happens for a reason. I do not believe that God made millions of innocent Jewish people endure the Holocaust so that the rest of us could learn not to be prejudiced. I do not believe that my brother has schizophrenia so that my mom can learn patience. But I do believe that when the brokenness of the world enters our lives in a way that transforms it for the worst, God has a power to redeem that newly transformed, painful life into one of love. He will say, you can still have purpose. You can still find peace. You can still know that you are not alone. Why do I believe that? Because today's scripture reminds us that in the end, God will be victorious, and good, not evil, will prevail. And here's the best part of today's gospel. God does not ask us to be responsible for this victory. We are not the ones with the burden of saving the world. God deals with the wicked tenants alone. This is a story that I learned. This is a lesson that I learned very recently. And to better understand, you'll need some background. One of the best parts about being a priest is that I regularly get invited into the most intimate moments of people's lives, whether I know them well or not. A lot of the time, these intimate moments are tragic. The death of a loved one, divorce, abuse, depression, Sometimes it's celebratory, weddings, births, house blessings. 
But the sad moments seem to be just as holy, if not more. And it's tempting as a human being to feel a great sense of personal importance at being invited into these moments. Have you ever met a priest with an inflated ego? Don't answer that. <laughs> if you have, perhaps you could have a little mercy on them because their job regularly thrusts them into situations where they get to be the visual representative of God. And it's a little heady, if I'm honest with you. Now, the flip side of this is that when my humanity is apparent, it's a big fall from the sensation of being godlike. I imagine that this is the kind of fall that could make the tenants wicked. But this happened to me last Sunday. I was driving to church early in the morning so that I could make our 8 a.m. service, and just as I was about to pass the varsity, I noticed a man sitting on top of the fence on the bridge that overlooks I-85. There was a paramedic and an EMT talking to him, and I knew what was happening. This man was going to end his life. So I pulled over, and I said to the paramedic, I'm a priest. Could I help you? He said, I think we're good. You can go. So I start to back out, and he waves me back down and says, the man would like to talk to you. So I stopped, and I got out of the car, and I began to talk. It turned out that this man was suffering from schizophrenia, and he was using drugs to self-medicate because he, he could not afford the medicine. He was tired of the cycle, and he couldn't see a way out. So we talked for a little bit, and eventually I asked him if he could come down so that I could hold his hand. And he paused for a long time. And in that pause, I noticed for the first time that he had tied something to his neck. He quickly tied the other end to the bridge and jumped off. And the paramedic was quick, and he jumped about halfway up the fence and caught him. And I was holding his legs as best that I could. And the EMT climbed the fence and cut him down. And the man lived that morning. As you can imagine, I was pretty shaken up. And so when I walked into church with only five minutes before the service, I said to Jeffrey, I really need to talk to you. I explained what happened and how horrible I felt. After all, I was the one talking to the man, and he jumped off the bridge. Father Hoare, in an incredible show of love and mercy, somehow managed to provide space for me in that five minutes. And in a very calm but serious tone, he said to me, the job of Savior has already been fulfilled. He said, you did not have the power to kill that man. You did not have the power to save that man. You only had the power to be present in that moment. And I have to tell you that I felt like sobbing. Because yes, of course, the job of Savior has already been taken. Jesus Christ came into the world to save all of us. And our job is simply to be there for each other, to sit in the uncomfortable spaces that are tragedy and heartbreak and send the message, you are not alone. Our job 
is to be human beings who were created by love, for love, and to remember that deep in our bones. And thank God for that. Thank God that none of us have the burden of being the Savior. More than that, thank God that there is a Savior, one who is always present with us when we are in need of saving. Thank God that in the end, God is always victorious, and it is not up to us to get people to understand that. It's our job to simply love and get out of God's way between God and his beloved. Amen.